is a fireman in the Edinburgh City uh, Fire Brigade. He's a fireman. A role uh, that demands a, a great degree of training, uh, a great degree of preparation. These guys, they spend so much of their time in sort of drills and exercises so that when that buzzer goes, you know, when that bell goes, they're on it, you know, that they are ready and equipped uh, to go out and tackle uh, whatever serious situation it is that awaits. Well, that idea of preparation, preparation, it is also key to a healthy and a faithful Christian life. In God's word, God has shown us that there will inevitably be for you and I as Christians emergency situations. There will inevitably be for us serious, serious situations. So, like these firemen, we too are to be readying ourselves. We too are to be preparing for when in our lives that buzzer goes off and an emergency situation arrives. Now given that need for preparation in the Christian life, I hope you see that what you've got before you in Acts chapter 27 is of infinite value. Why do I say, what what is this? Well, not only do we have here the, the ship which is Gary and Paul at Rome, we destroy them and break up and wreck. But on top of that, Paul himself, the apostle here, he very nearly dies. Do you see what we've got? Do you see what God is giving us this morning? Here, we have in the apostle Paul an example of how a faithful Christian responds to some of the hardest providences of God. That's what we have. We have much to learn here in Acts chapter 27. So if you haven't done so already, I would invite you to please turn there, to have Acts 27 open in front of you. We'll consider a few things that uh, we have here in this chapter. First of all, consider that in storms, the gospel enables us to avoid being rash. The gospel enables us to avoid being rash rash are you proficient in a boat do you know your starboard side from your port side do you know know what that is I certainly don't I am no sailor whatsoever and having studied Acts chapter 27 for for the past week I've got no desire at all to jump in a boat any time soon But as we do turn to these verses here, I guess the first thing that we've got to appreciate is the length of this journey that that we've got here. I mean, this was a long journey. I mean, here Paul is being sent as a prisoner really right across the whole of the Mediterranean from Caesarea and the ultimate destination is Rome. Stopping off all these different places. It's a long journey. More than that, we've also got to, to see what time of year this took place. Now, it was common knowledge in the first century that any journey in the Mediterranean that took place after September was kind of foolish, you know? Any journey after September in the Mediterranean was regarded to be fraught with danger. And did you see when these people are sailing? Paul says in verse 9 that it was, or Luke says in verse 9, it was after the fast, after the Day of Atonement. We are into the middle of October. 
at this point, you know, a treacherous time to be sailing in the Mediterranean. And so really, it shouldn't surprise us what we read here. We read that the weather very quickly turns against them, doesn't it? The wind kind of picks up as they're hitting Cyprus. And then they have to change course when they hit Canidas. And by the time they've hit Crete, see, the waters are choppy and everyone on board is a bit scared. They're freaking out a wee bit. Now, our hero, our example here, the Apostle Paul, he speaks a number of times in this chapter. And it's really his first interaction that I want, want to consider just now. So you've got the scene, have you? You know, the, the, the waves are high and the ship's in danger. And at this point, they are sailing past a harbor. Okay, and Paul, quite bravely, as a prisoner, he speaks up. And do you see what he says? He says, there's a harbor. I mean, let's go in there. You know, we are in danger, not just the cargo, we, the crew, we, the passengers, we're in danger here. Let's not plow on in this storm. Let's go, let us seek, let us seek solace and shelter in that harbor. Isn't that a bit odd? Friends, isn't that a bit surprising to hear that sort of attitude from the Apostle Paul? Are you with me? Do you see? Isn't it interesting what he doesn't say? Paul, here, he doesn't say to everyone around him, it's going to be fine. Trust God. It doesn't matter. So what if there's a star? You know, don't, don't worry about it. God's on, on my side. Just plow on into this storm. We don't have that from Paul. See, what we have to appreciate is that Paul was a very, very experienced sailor. Like he'd been shipwrecked a number of times before. We're told that later in Scripture. He is a guy who, who knows the seas. So do you see what we, we have here? Friends, in the absence of a word from God telling him otherwise, do you see what Paul is doing? Paul is using his God-given reason. Paul wants to use what God has taught him from experience in the past. He is wanting to avoid being rash. And I say to you this morning, isn't there a lesson even in that for you and I? Isn't there? Like, isn't it the case when a storm hits our lives or when hardship comes in our lives? Isn't it the case as Christians that we've got a tendency really to take risks, don't we? You know, a, a hardship comes or a really tough period of our, our lives hits us and, and we almost adopt a kind of impulsive and romantic idea of faith. Don't we? You want an example? Think about the, the poor Christian lady who is diagnosed with a disease. You've heard the story before, of course, millions of times. She has a disease and the Christian elders come to her, the church elders and her Christian friends, they gather around her. And what do they say? They say, just believe. You know, don't seek medical advice. Don't seek medical treatment. Just, just plow into the storm. Just have faith and it'll be fine. Now maybe, maybe, maybe there is an occasion for that. But don't you see that that is entirely at odds with what we've got in Scripture, what we've got from the Apostle Paul here. 
Don't you see that? Here, in the absence of a word of God, a specific word from God telling him otherwise, Paul is using his sense. Paul is using his wisdom. And Paul is avoiding taking risks. Secondly, we see that in a storm, the gospel enables us to trust God's word. The gospel enables us to trust God's word. Okay, so we're at the stage of this chapter where the centurion now, he's got a, he's got a call to make, doesn't he? Is he going to listen to Paul's advice or is he not going to listen to Paul's advice? What does he do? He ignores the apostle and they plow on into the storm. And to be honest, initially, that seems to be the right call, doesn't it? Because you see what happens, like, the wind sort of dies down a little bit. And the water's become a little bit calmer. Do you see what happens next? Suddenly, hurricane force winds, they sweep down from Mount Ida. And they whip up the the waves here. And a storm far worse than, than anything that's happened before. It's raging all around them. And if you try, I think you can picture what's happening on the deck. You know, you've got the crew and they're chucking the cargo overboard. People are screaming, people are shouting. And they're even trying to tie ropes around the hull here just to try and keep the ship intact. And we are told it gets to this point where everyone, everyone on board has given up hope of surviving the storm. And it's then that our apostle speaks for the second time and he addresses the crew. Paul has had a vision from God. An angel of Almighty God has appeared to Paul and he has promised Paul, he has assured him that not only will Paul be saved, the angel has assured him that everyone on board the ship will be sound and they will survive. Now that's an incredible promise. But friends, it is the faith that Paul has in that promise that I want you to see and focus on. Now, many of us in this room are familiar with the story of Kenny and Rita MacDonald. Heard of Kenny and Rita MacDonald? Many years ago now, uh, Kenny and Rita's daughter, Alison, was backpacking in the Kashmir. And she vanished. She disappeared in very, very unusual circumstances. And in the months after her disappearance, Kenny, he's a former, a retired free church minister, Kenny says that, and he, he believes that, that God made him a promise. In the months after her disappearance, that God promised him through praying, through reading, that he would see his daughter again. Now you see what that is, do you? That is faith. That is belief in a promise from God even when all the circumstances, even when everything stands against it. And don't you see that is exactly what we have here on, on board this ship, don't we? I mean, everything here, everything is standing against this promise from God of safety. Like if, if you're really with this chapter, you see that at this point, water is 
bursting into the ship and the ship is coming apart. I mean, the ship is being tossed around like a football on the high seas. And yet, Paul believes implicitly in this promise that he's received from God. He believes it to the extent that he is now exhorting everyone to have something to eat. Like, he believes you're going to be okay. You're going to need your strength. You need to eat something. Like, he believes to the point, verse 25, listen to this. He says, I believe that things are going to happen exactly the way that God has told me. Exactly the way that God has promised. Don't you see it? I mean, this is belief. This is faith in a promise of God, even in dire straits. And I need us to be clear on one thing. Hear this. We, as Christians, do not have this promise. We do not have the same promise as Paul on the ship. There's nothing in Scripture that tells you that you are going to be guaranteed your health, guaranteed your physical safety. There's nothing. But what I want you to understand right now is that as Christians, you have got greater promises than these. That God has assured you that in the storms of your life, he's assured you that not only is he going to use those things for your spiritual advance and for the advance of the Christians in your life, more than that, what else has God promised us? He's promised us that though these things be really, really hard and severe, that in Jesus Christ, they in no way compare to the glory that awaits us as the people of God. Isn't that something? That these storms, they're actually but a temporary, momentary squall. And that because of the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf, very, very soon what happens? The waters, they die down. And the winds, they they cease to blow entirely. And because of the Lord Jesus Christ, this beautiful and eternal calm, it comes across the waters. Do you see that as Christians, we have been given glorious promises in storms? I guess what we must do, what we must do, is pray that, see when that time comes, that bell goes and the emergency situation happens, we've got to pray that like Paul, we are granted the faith, you know? We are granted the belief to trust in those promises that God has given us in his word. Third, in storm or in storms, the gospel enables us to maintain care for others. To maintain care for others. Okay, our church here, of course, it sits adjacent to Postman's Park, that uh, oasis of tranquility in the, the, the centre of the city of London. And it's lovely, isn't it? Perhaps not on a day like today, but on a beautiful summer's day. Lovely. You've got the fountain out there. You've got all those lovely flower beds and so forth. You've also got that memorial wall at the back of the park. I'm sure everyone has seen it. If not, after the service, please go and look at the memorial wall. So up there, plaques have been placed. And they are to remember anyone who has given their life to save someone else. Isn't that the idea? So it's the idea that people have been focused on 
the safety of others, even when their own life is in danger. That's the idea of the wall. Now, do you see that that's what we've got in Acts chapter 27? Hear this. Paul here is focusing on the safety of other people, even when his own life is in danger. Did you pick up on that? Look, I tell you what, I need you to do this with me. If your Bibles are open, please just look at the language of verse 24. The language of verse 24. Verse 24, we know that the angels appeared, made Paul this promise, he's going to be okay, everyone else is going to... Ah, but look at the language. Angel says, you must stand before Caesar. What's the next bit? And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Do you see what that is? Do you see that that is, in Scripture, the language of prayer? God has graciously given you what it is that you've been asking him for. Do you see what's been happening here on the ship? Like in, in the eye of the storm when, when, you know, he's in shackles and he's facing death. What's, what's Paul been doing? Right in the point of death, what has he been doing? He has been praying. Yeah, he's been praying. Who has he been praying for? He's been praying at the point of death for everyone else on the ship, praying for other people. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that the most incredible example of the power of God's grace? See, let me ask you this. What, what, what tends to happen when a storm hits your life? What happens if it's illness or redundancy? What happens? You focus on yourself and the storm. If you're anything like me, isn't that right? You know, you get that diagnosis. You have an awful time at work. And isn't it, isn't it the case that everything else in your life just falls away, man? Everything goes, and it's just you and the storm. Isn't it? Now, that's totally understandable, but do you see the danger? The danger is that that negatively affects how we pray. When a storm hits, yes, we pray. Don't we pray? But who do we pray for? We pray for ourselves. We pray for our situations. We pray for our hardship. We pray for our lives. And look at the example before us in Scripture. Like the gospel has so utterly transformed Paul that even in the face of death, this man is maintaining a care and an empathy for other people. Isn't that marvelous? He's caring for other people. The face of, how do we do this? How do we do this? Let me ask you this. What happens here very literally? Very literally, Paul is praying for those in the same boat as himself, isn't he? Isn't that where we start? When a hardship comes, do we not pray for those who are going through similar things? If there is a family problem, if that happens, what do we do? We pray for other people here who are going through family problems. If there is an illness, we pray for other people here who are struggling with their health. If it's a work issue, we do the same thing. If it's a relationship issue, we we do this. Do you see it? Friends, in storms, we are to follow this example that God has given us. In storms, we continue to commit other people to God in prayer. And then fourthly and lastly, 
the gospel enables us to witness to the grace and the majesty of God. In storms, the gospel enables us to witness to the grace and majesty of God. It's, this chapter's relentless, isn't it? Like there's a lot, there's a, it's frenetic and there's a lot going on here, isn't there? And you've, <laughs> you've got that almost kind of humorous moment, don't you? Where the sailors are so sneaky. You can see what they do. They try and sort of lower this lifeboat down in the middle of the storm and they try and make a, an escape. Sneaky move when it comes to nothing. And then you've got another glorious and priceless moment where, you know, you imagine it, the storm is, is all around and the water's coming in. And Paul, Paul, he manages to convince everyone just to stop what they're doing and have a meal. You know, have something to eat, guys. That's, and then eventually what happens is it ends here with a ship striking a sandbar and the ship breaks up and everyone makes a successful dash for sure. This is what I want to close with. I want you to see how Paul uses the storm evangelistically. And do you know what? That seems to be the author's main point in this chapter. See what that means? That means it is God's main point here. How Paul uses this storm, this hardship, to point to the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, do you see how that works? Do you see what Luke has done as he structured this account? Do you see that? Does it ring any bells, this account? Luke has structured it in exactly the same way as Paul's missionary journeys. Hasn't he? Like Paul starts off here with a couple of companions. And he spends time fellowshipping with other Christians. Then he stops in all these innumerable ports. It's as though the author is saying here, for Paul, this was a missionary opportunity. This was a missionary journey. And then do you see how Luke portrays Paul on the ship as God's prophet? What's Paul doing? He's prophesying events and he is exhorting people to trust in the character of his God. He is God's chosen spokesman. And then think about that meal. Think about the meal. See, Paul doesn't say, right, let's eat. What does Paul do? He uses even that. Before they eat, what does he do? He says, everyone here, what we're going to do is we are going to pray. Let me give thanks to Jesus Christ. Let me honor him. Do you see the point? Every opportunity here in this storm is used by Paul to point to God's goodness and his grace. And that is the hardest thing. Isn't it? I mean, as the people of God, isn't that the most difficult thing? What have we just said? That when a storm strikes, we focus in it and nothing else. Do you see what we must pray for in advance of storms coming? We must pray that God does what he does here. We must pray that God grants us an eternal perspective on our hardships. That we don't just think about us and the immediate situation. That God in his grace enables us to, to have a wide perspective. To understand these things that are happening to us. To understand them in terms of his great redemptive plan. And I wonder, do you see in this chapter what exactly we are supposed to do in storms. Do you see it? Luke uses just the most wonderful imagery to bring it out. See, you've got the sailors doing their sneaky move. 
And the sailors are trying to get away. Okay, they're trying to make a boost for it. And Paul says this. He says, unless those sailors stay with the ship, no one's surviving this. But do you know what Luke does at that point? He very, very deliberately employs salvation language. Really, he says, unless these people stay here and stay with this ship, they will not be saved. Friends, do you see what we are supposed to do in our storms? We are supposed to point to the ship. We are supposed to point to the ark. We are supposed to point to the way of safety and refuge. We, in storms, are supposed to point to Christ, in whom people can be saved. And you say to me, Andy, it doesn't work. The imagery doesn't work because the ship gets wrecked. Isn't that the point? The end of the chapter. You've got people here clutching pieces of this ship being brought into Safety and sure. Are we not in suffering supposed to point to the one who was broken for us? The one whose body was broken for us. The one who died for our sin. Are we not supposed to point to, to him? Even in suffering, even in the storms of our lives, no matter how great they might be, we point to Christ so that people by Faith will cling to Jesus Christ and they will be brought safely home. Friends, as Christians, we will, hear this, inevitably face emergency situations. So praise God for what we learn in Acts 27 because essentially we learn here that God's grace is sufficient. And it's sufficient not just for our spiritual survival. It is sufficient for people like us, even in storms, to bring honor and to bring glory to the name of Jesus. Let's pray.